Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. So, Phil is going to come and speak to us now. When he's ready. I'm ready. You've given you 25 minutes. Come on. That's yeah, that's very kind of you. That is. Can't <laughs> he's going to say in a minute, I've got four preachers here. Can I <laughs> preach next week as well? And we're all going to say, no. Why not? <laughs> I don't get what the problem is. <laughs> so, Lord, we thank you, Phil. We thank you for the gifts that you've given him, Lord. And we pray that as he speaks to us this morning, you would anoint his words. May they come directly from your heart this morning, God. We pray you would give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, am I? Great, brilliant. Well, it is such a privilege to preach on Easter Sunday. It's kind of one Sunday you want to get to preach. It's one of the days when it's the greatest kind of thing and so but it's what is difficult if you you get to be the one that preaches is well where do you go because the scripture is just full of Jesus it's full of his life it's full of his truth and so where do you come in where do you kind of hone in on and so praying over this last week or so I can't even remember how it was decided that I was preaching I think probably I just badgered the elders enough that they'd let me preach <laughs> makes you sound like I'm the ogre here and, but from that moment on, I had a song in my head, and we're going to do that later on. But I just want to just start by saying, that, you know, it's the greatest day in history for anyone who knows Jesus. Jesus dealt with the power of sin once and for all. Once, one time only, and for everyone. And anyone who will come to him can be free of that sin. Is that not amazing? It's been dealt with. The power of sin is done. It's dealt with. And no more sacrifice is necessary for sin now. And even though we remember it every year, and it's right that we do, it was done 2,000 years ago, for once and for all. It's amazing. And he carried our weight of sin upon himself and made us righteous. By putting our faith in him and asking him into our lives, we now become the righteousness of Christ. It's just amazing. And Paul writes this to Philippians, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him a name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What an amazing truth. An amazing passage. This is what Paul writes to the Philippians to encourage them and strengthen them. And so I was just thinking about this. You see, Jesus stood in the gap for us. 
Jesus took upon himself our guilt and shame and he dealt with the separation that was there. The separation from his love and his grace was dealt with by Jesus. The separation that had come in through sin back in the Garden of Eden. The separation that had meant that we could not know God. We could not enter his presence. We could not have intimate relationship with him. Jesus now comes and makes the way for us. And Paul argues this in Romans 8. And that should come up on the screen. Romans 8, verse 32. And it was because of that love he went to the cross. And so Paul starts and he asks this question. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? So who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own? There's the questions. Two questions in that. Won't he also give us everything else? And who will accuse us? Who will now accuse us that have come to know Jesus? And Paul gives us the answer, no one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. The only way we can stand before God, the only way we can do it is because God has made it, made the way possible. He's the one that's done it for us. We could not help ourselves. We were helpless in our own sin and shame. And Jesus came and took that place for us. So through Jesus, being God in human, in human form, gave himself up for us and, give, and has given us the right standing with himself. Is that not amazing? Is that not worth celebrating and rejoicing? There's only one person saying amen in the room. Everybody else falling asleep. So Paul goes on. Who then will condemn us? Who? We have an accuser, yes, but he can't condemn us anymore when we know Jesus. He comes and he whispers lies and he tells us untruth and he tells us we're rubbish, he tells us we're no good, he tells us, look what you've done again, God can't love you, why would he love you? All those things come from the accuser, but he cannot condemn us anymore when we know Jesus. Those accusations don't condemn us. And Paul answers and says, no one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand, praying for us, pleading for us, praying, actually standing in that place. So even when we can't feel like, we don't feel like praying, we can't pray, we feel so accused, we feel so down, actually Jesus stands in that place for us. He didn't just do it on the cross, he does it now today. He stands in that place before the Father on our behalf. Jesus has done all this. So he goes on. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, comes the answer. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who has loved us. And if you don't know that kind of victory in your life, you don't yet know Jesus. You have not yet come into that relationship with him and know him. I invite you, because actually what once separated you from his love has now been removed by Jesus. 
And you can now know love. You can now know that acceptance. You can now know that actually you, you are no longer condemned by your sin. But you'll be free from it. Free from all condemnation. And Paul goes on. I am convinced. Are you? That nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. Neither our fears for today or, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Not separated by death, but actually joined for eternity. That's the hope we have. And yes, there's a sadness, but there's a joy also. Actually, and for every one of us, there will be a day. Something will get us in this life. But it only leads us into eternity with him. And there's a song that, for me, that just... I think at my funeral, I'd have this song. It's probably in my top ten list of all-time favourite Christian songs. It's by a band called Mercy Me. And some of you will know it. And, and I, often, I often listen to it. I often sing it. For some reason, I play this on planes sometimes. I put my earphones on. I play this song on plane. Maybe because I think the plane's going to crash. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm not a... No, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm not a fearful flyer, but I'm a slightly nervous flyer, I think, sometimes. I don't like turbulence too much when I'm on a plane. I pray, God, just give me a smooth flight. And very often he does. Very rarely have I been on a plane when it's been turbulent. Next time I fly, it will be, I guess. My next trip to India will be awful, no doubt. But it says this. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes would see when your face is before me. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. And that's, for me, is I'm looking forward to that day because I can only imagine what it's going to be like. I can only have a glimpse of it through scripture. I can only have a glimpse of uh, something of glory. But actually, there'll be a day. There will be a day. And I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't imagine, but the day when I stand with Jesus. Do you know there's going to be a day for you when you stand with Jesus? Do you know when you're going to look into his face? And you're going to spend eternity worshipping him in his presence? It's just an amazing song. And I listen to it, as I say, quite regularly. So I love it, because that's what my hope is. There'll be a day. And I can only imagine what it's going to be like, but there will be a day. And it's because of God's love that did away with that separation that I can do that. So this last week, the song that's been on my heart has just been this. And it's an old song that's been reworked recently. I remember it from my childhood in church, singing it. And uh, so it's that old and those with grey hair in our mix will definitely remember it. <laughs> I'm not looking at you, Pamela. 
(laughs) And it says this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn your eyes to him. Look at him. The one who has done away with the separation. The one who's bruised the gap. The one who's made a way for us to know this love. To turn our eyes to him. To look at Jesus again. To focus our attention on him. Look full in his wonderful face. Don't you find that challenging? Look full in his wonderful face. Who can look at Jesus? Because actually we know what we're like. We know what we've done. And we're kind of not worthy, are we? In our own right, in our own standing. We're not worthy, but we're made worthy by Jesus. And as we do that, as we turn and we look at Jesus, the thing is, he will not judge us. He will not accuse us. He will not condemn us. And neither will he turn his face away from us. So when we choose to look at Jesus and we look into his face and we look at the splendor of Jesus, he's not going to look away because of us. Because actually, he's, made the pri- he's paid the price for sin that actually we can look at him. And he can look at us because we've been made righteous through him. And he can look to at us. And he can look straight back of us, back at us. And what a wonderful thing is when you know Jesus is just looking at you. It's an amazing revelation when Jesus looks at us. Because he, on the opposite side of that, he will receive us. He'll forgive us. He'll cleanse us from all our sin. He'll lavish us with grace and with love. He'll affirm us as children of God. He will not hide his face from us, but actually he will hide us in the shadow of his wing. And so much more is on offer if we're willing to turn our eyes to Jesus and to look at Jesus. And there's no better day than Resurrection Sunday to look at Jesus. And it's interesting in the garden when Mary first encountered Jesus, she didn't recognise him. She didn't recognise him. This is the one that had been crucified and yet suddenly it's not until moments later she realises this is the one that she'd come to see, the one she'd been looking for, who was being crucified. He wasn't in the tomb anymore. He was risen, and she could see him. And then Jesus appears to others, and they see him. They see him for who he is. They see him in his glory. Have we been distracted by looking at Jesus? Have we been distracted from looking his way by things of this world, even by this last year, the things that have happened? Have we been distracted Are we not looking at Jesus? Even on Resurrection Sunday, are our thoughts, our minds, our gaze somewhere else? Or are we looking to Jesus? What's hindering you? What's stopping you looking at him even today? If you've never looked at Jesus for the first time, what's hindering you? What's stopping you? See, John gives us a bit of revelation of what it looks like to look at Jesus. And in Revelation 1, it says this, I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering in God's kingdom and the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. 
I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. When I returned, uh, when I turned to see who was talking to me, and this is where he has this revelation, this encounter with God. So when he turned to see who was speaking to him, I saw seven golden lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head, with his hair white like snow, like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. You know those flames of fire in his eyes are his love for us. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. Isn't that amazing? His face was like the sun. So when he says, turn your eyes to Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, imagine looking into the sun. Imagine that, full sun, a glorious day like it is today, and you turn your face and you just look, and you can't keep your eyes open, can you? You can't look at the sun, it's too bright, it's too much for us. And it says, as John says, I fell as though dead before him, because the brilliance of Jesus is far greater than the sun we know in the sky, when we look at him. I want to read you this. This is from Andrew Wilson's book, Incomparable. So this, an adult of this present age is simply unable to picture something as glorious as the risen Jesus. So John helps us. John knew Jesus, the man, and saw him teach, eat fish, heal and die. But he, his brothers, and Peter were blown, about, blown away when they became eyewitnesses of his majesty. In uh, Peter writes, catching the something of Jesus incredible splendor when he was transfigured before them. Here in Revelation, at the end of his life, John describes an even more astonishing vision of Jesus Christ, including eyes like flames of fire, voice like thundering of waters, and so on. And he concludes by saying his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. Just think for a minute about what it means for Jesus to be compared to the sun. The sun is unthinkably massive, containing more than 99.8% of the total mass of the entire solar system. Most of the remaining 0.2% is taken up by Jupiter, a planet which in its, is itself 300, 318 times the size of the Earth. And on this Earth, you are just one six billionth of a population, separated from everyone else by oceans, mountains, and 6,800 languages. In other words, compared with you, the sun is fairly large. Pretty big. But now, consider what it means for Jesus, face to be like the sun shining in full strength. The light of the sun has been sustaining every form of life on this planet for its entire history. So has Jesus, only more so. The sun is so dazzling that we cannot look at it without being blinded, even though we are nearly 100 million miles away. So is Jesus, only more so. The sun is so bright that every year, simply by shining upon cold and barren places, it causes life and the growth to burst forth 
where previously there was no there was empty wilderness so does jesus only more so the sun is so powerful that in one second it emits more energy than we humans have generated in all of human history 92 billion one megatron nuclear bombs every second so does jesus only more so wow isn't that astounding that jesus only more so more than our sun and we're invited to look into the face of jesus so that song i can only imagine I can only imagine what it's going to be like when I stand face to face with Jesus. Where there is no sun, because Jesus is the sun in heaven. He is so brilliant. He is the one that provides all the sun, light in heaven. Just amazing. So today, how do you see Jesus? What is your response to Jesus today? Are you willing to look in his face? Are you going to allow the things of this earth to grow strangely dim? Just to disappear, even to come so insignificant compared to the wonder of looking in the face of Jesus. Are you experiencing God's glory and grace in your everyday life? And if you don't yet know Jesus, I want to invite you in to know him. I want to invite you in picture you see on the screen is of an empty cross. Jesus risen from the dead. Jesus glorified. Jesus ascended all for us, all for love, all that he might have relationship with you and me. And if we've let that wane a bit, if we don't even know Jesus yet, I want to invite you in to come and look at Jesus and experience the warmth of his love, his face looking right at you. Even today, even though you may not know it, Jesus is looking at you. If you're listening in today, it's because Jesus wants to look at you. And he wants you to experience him and know him today. I'm going to pray. Done it in 20 minutes. Neil, learn. You can do it in 20 minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're the glorified one. You're seated on the throne with all splendor and majesty. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that you went through all that pain and suffering and died a criminal's death for us, that we would know you, that we have access to you, that we can come even in this moment and we can turn our eyes upon Jesus. And we have the privilege of looking full in your wonderful face. So come and help us today. For anyone who does not yet know you, God, I pray, would you reveal yourself? Reveal your love to them right now, Holy Spirit. For those who maybe have grown cold towards you, been drifting away from you, the cares of this world, cares of life have somehow crowded in. God, I pray, help them to again look at you to look into your wonderful face again. Thank you, Lord, your eyes burn with a fire of love for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you're, you're here to receive us and to lavish us with your love and to hide us in the shadow of your wing. Lord, I want to pray that for today for everyone, that, Lord, they will know the, the covering of your wings, Lord, the covering of your love, the intensity of your love and grace towards them today. Lord, I pray, would you come? God, I pray, would you come?
right now, just in this moment before we sing, just make your response to Jesus. Here's an opportunity you can say, yeah, Jesus, I just want to look at you, or you, can, you have the opportunity to reject him even. You can do both. Or you can just do nothing. But Jesus is here today, and he's inviting you to look into his wonderful face. See Jesus again, the risen one. The risen one, risen for you, to give you life, to give you hope and a future. He's risen for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, there's nothing that can separate us from this great love. Praise you, God. We're going to sing together. Just, uh, as we sing this song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. I encourage you to do it in this moment.